0: Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we are continuing on with our series of year ahead conversations focusing today on equities, which means we are joined once again by David Lefkowitz, the head of equities for the Americas with the UBS chief investment office. Uh, David, welcome back. Thank you for dropping by.
1: Yeah, Dan, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, David, as I alluded to our conversation today, it ties right into the Chief Investment Office's year ahead publication for 2024. A New World is the title. Now, within the year ahead piece, it does outline how CIO's base case heading into 2024 is for a soft-ish landing for the U.S. economy with positive returns expected for equity. So, David, can you unpack that outlook for us a bit? Namely, what supports that view for equity returns in 2024?
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to do that, Dan. So, I I think we probably need to start with the outlook for the economy a little bit here, um, because usually there's a pretty close correlation between what we're seeing in terms of economic activity and what we're seeing uh, in terms of profit performance from, uh, U.S. companies. So, uh, so yeah, our, our, our thinking behind the soft landing or softish landing as we're calling it, uh, it, there's really a few factors here, um, I think we have to recognize the fact that private sector balance sheets are, are in very good shape. And when I, when I'm talking about private sector, I'm really talking about households as well as businesses, you know, generally pretty, pretty healthy balance sheets. And that's a, a big part of the reason why, um, economic activity has been much more resilient than expected in the face of these Fed rate hikes. And, and that's still a positive driver that's out there. Uh, we still have excess demand for labor. Uh, there's about one and a half open uh, jobs or available jobs for every unemployed person. So to, you know, to expect a really rapid unraveling of the economy when you still have pretty healthy demand for, for jobs, you know, that doesn't seem likely, at least in the, in the short term. Um, and then the other thing, which, you know, could be a, a pretty meaningful positive at some point next year is that We've had this out of, out of sync cycle. Um, if you recall, during the initial stages of the pandemic, there was this huge surge in terms of consumption of goods, furniture, new appliances, houses, car, well, cars, maybe not, not so much because they were supply constrained, but, uh, computers, iPhones, all that stuff. So a lot, a lot of spending on goods and the goods segment of the economy has really been normalizing uh, and coming down from those high levels over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, we could be in a period next year where we actually see a bit of a recovery in the goods side of the economy. Uh, so that, that actually could also be a, a nice tailwind for, for the economy. And then lastly, you know, we could be in a situation where we actually get some rate cuts next year from the Fed, uh, contingent obviously on continued progress on inflation. So, you know, those are all the elements of, of why we think the softish landing makes sense. In that context, we think we'll see a positive GDP growth. Uh, so growth in the overall economy. It, it should be a little bit slower than what we've experienced so far this year, but still, uh, still healthy. And in that environment, we should get, we, you know, we do think you're going to see S&P 500 companies put up, uh, profit growth in the high single digit range. Um now then we have to account for the fact that, look, valuations are pretty full. I mean, we're trading almost at 19 times earnings as we speak right now. Uh, but we think those valuations are reasonable in the context of low unemployment and improving inflation. So bottom line is that we largely have valuations, you know, largely unchanged. And uh, the upside that we're expecting is going to come from that profit growth that I was describing. And, um, you know, that gets us to our year-end price target for the S&P of 4,700, which is, you know, not too much higher than we are as we speak at the moment. Um, you know, maybe 4 or 5%. Well, I guess more like, you know, 4% if you include, 4 or 5% if you include the dividend. Um, uh, but we do also have to recognize we've had a pretty powerful rally in the market just in the last month or so. So, you know, to some extent, we may be pulling forward a little bit, some of the upside, but we still think that there there is scope for for stocks to rise a bit from here.
0: So, David, in the way of risk considerations, what do you feel that investors should be mindful of there? What could perhaps disrupt that outlook in 2024? Any factors that could trigger volatility that come to mind?
1: Uh, The list is probably long, Dan. Obviously, geopolitics. I mean, let's put that aside because that's somewhat of a uh, a black swan, you know, difficult to uh, predict, but but obviously the, the geopolitical environment, you know, it definitely feels more volatile than it has uh, in recent years. Um, but we're not assuming, you know, anything kind of negative comes out of that sphere, but obviously, you know, we we need to monitor that. Um, you know, I would say there's there's still some uncertainty about the lagged effects of the Fed rate hikes, right? We talked about the private sector balance sheets being fairly healthy, um, what that means in, in many cases is it's just going to take longer for businesses, especially businesses, to be paying these higher levels of interest rates. So, you know, that could reduce economic growth down the road, and there's still some uncertainty around how powerful that could be. You know, inflation could prove stickier. Um, it's It's been on a nice trajectory over the last – you know, year or so, um, uh, but if it it does prove stickier, that maybe would take off the table any potential Fed rate cuts, which uh, would be an incremental negative. And then, you know, all, uh, artificial intelligence has been such a key market driver this year, with the impact that it's had on the seven largest growth companies in the market, the Magnificent Seven. If there's any sort of hiccup in the adoption of, of, of AI. And, and we're, I think what's going to be a big focus in 24 is how are some of the applications that are being developed, uh, on top of AI, what, what's the, what's the uptake of those applications and, and how quickly are those going to, uh, be adopted more by, by both businesses and consumers. So definitely a number of areas that we're watching. Um, and, um, Yeah, none of those really are sort of in our base case, but obviously, uh, you know, there's always going to be upside risks and downside risks.
0: Now, David, per the most recent UBS house view within the chief investment office recommends that investors buy quality, that being one of our chief investment office's key messages and focus, and that applies to both fixed income and equities. Today, we're, of course, speaking about equities. So what exactly, David, should equity investors be looking for when assessing companies or Opportunities within equities.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dan. So, you know, I, I when, when we make our recommendations around where to invest within the equity market, we we very often incorporate where we are in the business cycle in order to to assess what works best within different parts of the business cycle. And you know, we just talked a, a little bit about why we think the U.S. economy will achieve a softish landing. But I think the other thing that we need to be cognizant of is that we are in a late cycle environment. And what I mean by late cycle is, uh, we have an unemployment rate that is fairly low. So it's hard to, it's hard to see it going much lower. In fact, it's been rising a little bit over the last few months. Nothing alarming, but, um, but, you know, still very low. Um, inflation is improving, but it's still higher than the Fed's target. And we have an un- we have an inverted yield curve. So, I would say all these factors would tend to suggest that we are in a late cycle environment. Where, look, admittedly, um, you know what, what that means is we're probably going to get a slow, you know, slower GDP growth rather than any sort of reacceleration in GDP growth. And in that environment, what tends to work are high quality companies. And the way we're defining high quality is looking at companies that generate a high return on the money that they invest. And if you look over the last 20 plus years when we're in a late cycle environment as I've described, it's those com- those types of companies are the ones that tend to outperform. And if we end up even if we do slip into a recession, again not our base case, but it's also those types of companies that tend to outperform in the early stages or uh, of a recession. So, you know, we think it's, it's a good place to be, uh, both from in our base case as well as if we do end up slipping into a recession, uh, you know, that, that those types of companies tend to offer some protection. So we focus on companies that generate a high return on invested capital. We also are looking for companies that have strong balance sheets, generate, and generate good free cash flow. And, you know, you can find these types of companies really across sectors. I mean, this is not a, uh, a specific sector call and the best way to that we think of of investing against this opportunity is by you know, looking sector by sector finding the companies that meet these criteria we actually have a list of stocks uh, that are tied to this concept it's a list that we call time for quality which we launched back in uh, in the spring of 2022 um, and that's available from your UBS representative, but, uh, you know, what I would say is, is look for quality companies. The, the list that we maintain is, is one, is one option in that regard.
0: So, David, just running a bit further with equity positioning, and to echo your sentiment there, do, of course, encourage our clients of UBS listening in, do contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that stock list. But what are you recommending more broadly in the way of sector positioning, David?
1: Yep. so in terms of sectors, there are uh, three sectors that we have a a most preferred view on at the moment. Uh, The first one I'll I'll highlight is is energy. Energy. you know, here, at the end of the day, the energy, uh, you know, call is, is very correlated to the outlook for oil prices. And and we've seen a pretty, pretty pronounced pullback in oil prices in, in, in recent months. Uh, we think that's largely unjustified. We think the, well, let me put it this way. It's understandable. There, there's been a bit more supply than we had expected. But what we think is that OPEC is going to continue to take actions to balance the market. And, you know, sort of as we're speaking, um, you know, looks like OPEC is, is going to, uh, you know, take incremental actions to try to, uh, reduce the amount of supply that's being delivered. That should, uh, they were supposed to do that originally. They were going to have a meeting last week and, uh, that's been postponed just to try to get, more consensus within that organization, but bottom line is we think that we're going to see a reduction in inventories, oil inventories, in the coming months. We've already seen some reduction. We think it has further to go, and that tends to be supportive for energy for oil prices, and and that should be good for for energy stocks. Uh, we also like the tech sector. It is very expen- it is expensive, and uh, so we're not uh, we're not ignoring that, but. the sector is generating some very rapid earnings growth Uh, sector has very companies with very good balance sheets, a lot of high quality companies. So again, kind of fits into that theme of looking for high quality. Um, You know, plus there are certain end markets that we think are bottoming, whether it be PCs, whether it be smartphones, um, kind of gets into that goods recovery I was talking about earlier. And, um, and also semiconductors look like they're, they're bottoming as well. Also tied to the improvement in, uh, in, in some of those, those areas like smartphones and PCs that I mentioned. Um, like I would say the risks here are if, if investors decide to rotate into some of the more cheaper cyclical parts of the market, that would be a risk. I don't think that's very likely in the context of a continued slowdown in the economy. Or if we do have a hard landing, the high valuations could potentially be be vulnerable. Um so it's something we're we're certainly attuned for, but in our base case of sort of of a of the softish landing, uh think think the tech sector can can continue to be uh a good place to be. And then look, we want to have some protection in the portfolio. So we also like consumer staples. This is a defensive sector. Uh it has gotten quite inexpensive. Um, so we think it's a, it's a nice way to add some protection into the portfolio at a pretty, pretty appealing valuation. Uh, I just do also do want to mention that across size, uh, growth versus value, we have a, a neutral allocation kind of ties into our, our thinking here, similar to the tech sector. Growth companies are expensive, but they may remain that way, uh, for the reasons that I talked about earlier. And, uh, so, you know, so we think a neutral allocation is, is appropriate. And then on size, I, I've been getting, you know, a number of questions on, is this a time to be getting more aggressive on small caps? Uh, so we're neutral across size segments. Small caps are cheap and, and that gives us pretty strong conviction that those areas of the market will generate some very good returns over the next five to 10 years. The problem with small caps, though, is that they tend to perform best early in the cycle. And we just talked about how we're kind of late in the cycle at the moment. So, so, you know, we think having a, you know, a a reasonable allocation or a full allocation to small makes sense, but we wouldn't have an overweight allocation at the moment, just given where we are in the business cycle.
0: Well, David, thank you for dropping by top of the morning for setting the stage for 2024 in the context of U.S. equities and do, of course, appreciate your contributions, participation and that of the equity strategy team here in 2023. Do look forward to picking back up with our conversations in the year ahead.
1: Yeah, happy to continue working with you, Dan, and thanks for having me and uh, best of luck in the new year.
0: Likewise. Thank you, David. Again, today we have been speaking with David Lefkowitz, the Head of Equities for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Again, I do want to point you, our listeners, our clients, to CIO's year-ahead publication for 2024, A New World, now available for you up on UBS.com slash CIO. Though for clients of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of The Year Ahead directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.